Well, praise the Lord, friends. This is Pastor Kevin O'Connor, and I am doing this podcast for the Immutable Truth live, and I am using uh, a recording device, so you're going to get the audio on SoundCloud, and you're going to get the visual here on Facebook for the Immutable Truth on this episode. I want to first thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Thank you for going to our Immutable page on Facebook and on SoundCloud. I wanted to bring a message today about God and His sovereignty. I wanted to talk about Thy will be done, not mine, not yours, but God's will being done in our life. I had a few questions uh, posed to me over the last few weeks by several different people on several different topics, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be getting me a drink here in a second because my mouth's dry, but I wanted to talk about and bring this podcast out to you for a very specific reason. We, in the Christian Church of America today, we kind of have this tendency to treat God like a genie, like we rub the lamp and God uh, has to answer our prayer, he has to do what I say, he has to do according to my will and my uh, uh my authority, quote-unquote, in Jesus Christ, and you have even people commanding the Spirit of God to do this and commanding the Spirit of God to do that, and I wanted to get on here and talk just a minute about a few questions that was posed to me. I made a Facebook post today that pretty much said, no, not pretty much, this is what it said, it said, the gospel is not Burger King, You don't get it your way. And this is so simple, but it's true at the same time. We have a generation of people who think that they can do this uh, gospel thing or live this Christian life whatever way they want and not actually follow the dictates of what Christ says, not actually understand what the gospel is and how we're supposed to live, how we're to pray, how we're to live our life for Christ. We just think we're in charge of all that. And biblically, this is not true. Biblically, we don't have a foot to stand on when we start acting like we can ask for what we want, we can live however we want, and whatever I will to happen, that's what is supposed to happen. Uh, my, I have a few texts, a few main texts for this that I want to talk about. But as we do, I want you to understand I'm not here to uh, jump all over certain belief systems. I'm not on here to uh, critique any specific person. I'm here doing a broad stroke of this brush to paint a picture of what it means to biblically pray, to biblically understand that God is sovereign and God is in charge of my life, of me. That means of my prayer life, of my everyday life, of my work life, as my life as a husband, as my li- in my life as a father, in my life as a pastor, in my life as a friend and a brother and a sister and a son. It is so all-encompassing 
that I'm not left. The Bible is so clear about everyday life for Christians that we're not left with no understanding in how to live our life for Christ and what's expected of us as Christians. Prayer is nothing different. Uh, I want you to understand that the disciples, though they were Jewish and probably prayed up to three times a day, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, if you pray, pray this way. Our Father, no, excuse me, let me let me correct myself. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray, pray this way. So Jesus' expectation is, first of all, that Christians pray. Uh, uh, second of all, there's a manner and a way that I approach prayer that makes an extreme difference in uh, biblically praying and praying according to what the gospel dictates. Uh, But Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This seems utterly simplistic in the way that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray when they asked him to teach them to pray. But in doing so, we see what Jesus echoes even in his own prayers. We see, thy will be done. You know, Jesus, while he was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done and and so often in church in uh, Christian conversation now we hear I prayed for this and I commanded this uh, uh, I commanded this stronghold to be loosed and I commanded that stronghold to be loosed and I commanded these enemies to let go of my stuff and I co- first of all you don't see the you don't see Jesus praying that way second of all you don't see the apostles praying that way as a matter of fact you see paul being hindered at times to go and do the things that he would long to do peter was told when you're old you're gonna be led to a place that you do not want to go and we got to understand that every one of these apostles quote unquote uh nowadays uh walk in some kind of super echelon of apostolic authority that the even the apostles didn't have they didn't they oh they had dominion over their area and this sphere and that sphere show me that in the bible because the reality is the apostles suffered for christ the apostles eventually died for christ they didn't walk in some supernatural apostolic authority that they could bring down all these principalities they preached the gospel They healed the sick, yes, 
the the point of those miracles was to point to Christ, though, because the gospel is center. The gospel was centered for Paul. The gospel was centered for Peter. The gospel was centered for James. The will of God was centered for these men, not their own will, not what they desired, not the the that they were praying for things that they shouldn't be praying for, you know. And I know that right now, probably a lot of my charismatic friends are going to jump on here and say, well, you know, Matthew 18 and 19, says that if any two agree on anything as touching anything that we'll have whatever we ask yes but he spent the first the few verses there let's go to Matthew 18 I want to just talk about that for just as or John uh uh is it John 18 excuse me John no it's Matthew 18 and 19 Matthew 18 and 19 let's go there real quick Matthew 18 and 19 uh, I'm not going to read it because I just quoted it for you, but I want to give you the context. Jesus, before he tells them, if any two of you agree as on earth as into touching anything, it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. He says this in, in just a few short verses before that. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two other along with you and every that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And then he, he goes on. If he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to to the church let let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector truly i say to you whatever you bind on earth shall be loosed in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be bound in heaven again i tell you the truth if any two of you agree on earth about anything they ask if it will be done for them by my father which is in heaven for where two or three gather in my name there i am in the midst of them this is in context of correcting brothers it's in context of agreeing and touching in agreement to restoring a brother or telling a brother look you're not part of us it's in context that we read this and also you know uh john uh is it John 14, I believe? Uh, let's go there. John 14. John 14 and 16 says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But that's right after he tells him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, trying to explain to them, trying to extol the point upon them that the way, there's only one thing that they need to be seeking, and it's Christ. Uh, and nowadays, it seems like the things we pray for are things that Jesus tells us to not even worry about. Why are we praying about food and clothes and uh, and, and drink and things that the Father already knows that we have need of. Jesus told us not to even worry about those things. So why is that the focus of my prayer life? Why is that the focus of so much divine revelation? Divine revelation is Christ, the gospel. When are you going to get people to understand that we should be seeking Christ and not stuff, Christ and not things? Uh, I wanted to give you a few more verses because so often we focus on the verses about asking you will receive, knocking the door will be open. All of that is in, is true. Jesus said that, but he said, seek first the kingdom of God. So if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, if I'm asking, seeking, and knocking for the things of the kingdom of God, why am I always praying and asking and seeking and knocking for things of this world and the desires of the flesh, the, the worries? 
that I shouldn't even be entertaining, but focus my prayer on praying that God's will be done like he taught us to pray. Not my will, but Christ's will. God's will be done in my life. I want you to go with me, if you will, to James chapter 4. And I know everybody's going to go, oh, pastor, here you go, talking about this passage in James. Well, if you think it's unimportant, I guess you don't have to worry about it. But James was a disciple, a follower of Christ. And I think his words on this subject should bear some weight with us ourselves. And if it doesn't, I want to question why you feel that you can take portions of Scripture, read them out of context, and hold on to them so dearly. But when I read Scripture in context about specific things, you don't want to believe those. See, we have a problem in the church where we want to read things out of context and, and make doctrine out of those. But when you read people doctrine that's right in context, they want to argue until they're blue in the face about other things that aren't actually taught. They're, they're taken out of context to even mean what they make, make them mean. So let's go to James chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 1. James chapter 4 verse 1 what causes quarrels what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and you do not have you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel and you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friend, be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealousy jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us but he gives more grace therefore it says god opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble submit yourself therefore unto god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh unto god and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy and joy into gloom Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is the manner in which we're to pray. We're not to come to God with all these lustful expectations for things. We're not to come with, with jealousy and murder in my... You, well, brother, I haven't murdered anyone. Well, if you hate your brother without cause, you're guilty of murder, Jesus said. He said, he, he said, 
you are mur you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain. I'm coveting things. I'm coveting stuff. I'm jealous because that pastor's ministry looks this way, and this guy's stuff looks that way, and I want what they have, and I want to look like them, and I want to be on the same level with them. So I'm praying that my stature, my finances, my everything starts coming. Money cometh unto me, Creflo Dollar. It's idolatry, and we need to stop it. It's idolatry to be praying always for things and never be praying for God's will, God's purpose, God's plan, and, and assuming we as finite human beings know it outside of the confines of God's word. We think that, oh, I get this feeling in my stomach, and then I say, oh, that, that's from God, and then, you know, people have walked into all kinds of sin running after stuff. We have been going through the book of 1 Timothy at Agape Fellowship Church. I've posted all of these on our SoundCloud page. Uh, I, they're always on our Facebook page for the church. And we just went through 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to go back to that today, tonight, to, to reiterate a point that I made here. In, in, second, or in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 3, Paul starts talking about false teachers, what they teach, how they teach, the things that they're, they're, they promote, their ideas, their appetites. And I want you to see it lines up with what James is talking about here in James chapter 4. So First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, he starts out, If anyone teaches any different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the teaching and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has unhealthy cravings for controversy and for quarrels about words, uh, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among the people who are depraved in mind and depraved in the truth, imagining that godliness is a means to gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, we are content. We With these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through these cravings that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, I want you to understand this, that... Jesus and his teaching goes starkly against this new health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that says God wants everybody to be rich. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Jesus said that we should not store up treasure on earth where moth and rust can uh, uh, corrupt and where thieves break into steel, but we should store for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break into steel. Jesus' words about the desires of things is absolutely unequivocally uh, opposite 
polar opposite of this new modern health and wealth gospel that preaches God wants everybody rich, which is absolutely a lie, and we should not be running after things. We should be seeking first the kingdom of heaven, not worrying about the things that our Father already knows that we have need of, and we need to be focused on Christ the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. But that's not what we hear preaching. That's not what we hear people saying. And then once you start seeking stuff, what tends to happen, and this is from my own personal experience, from my own personal observation, that the minute we start seeking things, we begin to get the mindset that we are here and God is here to serve us rather than God is here and we're here to serve God. God is sovereign not Kevin O'Connor. God is sovereign and not whatever your name is listening or watching this uh, uh, podcast. The, re- the reality is, if God is in control, we must decrease. He must increase. If we are truly born again, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, that he's been bought with a price, that he's no longer his own, that it's no longer him that lives, but Christ that lives in him. And the life he now lives, he lives by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. It is, I'm dead to myself. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In other words, the the gift of God, salvation, is absolutely 100% unequivocally free. It is is a free gift. No one can earn it. No one deserves it. We could not We could not come to God unless the Father draws us. It is a work of grace that we're saved. It's a work of God that we're saved. But in that saving, in that that redemption, in that regeneration, there's a changing that takes place. And I'm made new and my desires are new. My, My wants and my desires are new. And it's no longer what I want. It's no longer the things I want. It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about spreading God's word. And that's what the born-again experience really should look like. But that's not what we have in this modern day. And and I had a conversation with several people this week, and it's like, well, Pastor, what? Oh, why isn't God ever there when I really need him? Oh, just because you don't get the answer you want, is that why you assume that God's not there? Because he said he'll never leave you. He said he'll never forsake you. So what it tells me is I'm not believing God at his word. I'm not believing God at his word. I, I need something else. I need more evidence. I need I need more. I need another sign. And Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you're not going to get another sign except this. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Okay, the reality is it's about Christ. It's about what he does in me, what he does through me. It's about him conforming me into his image, molding me and shaping me. It's not about my will. It's about God's will for my life. And if that's not your idea, if that's not what you long for, then I caution you that you don't understand the gospel. And if you don't really 
uh, have an understanding that it's not about you. You need to come to faith in Christ because it's not about you. It's about Christ and what he did for you because none of us deserve heaven. We all of us deserve hell. And the only way anybody gets to heaven is by the grace and the mercy of Almighty God poured out in Jesus Christ. And you can't have the gospel your way. It's got to be God's way. He's in charge. Not my will, but thy will be done. God is in charge. Let's go to another place. John, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible. I want to spend time with my wife and I want to eat dinner with my children, but I want to get this message out there because I believe that it is vital, vitally important that people understand God's sovereign will. You are supposed to be praying for that you're not supposed to be praying all these other things you're not supposed to be seeking after stuff you're not supposed to be seeking after signs you're supposed to be seeking after christ supposed to be seeking after god's will for you in this earth amen now uh first john chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 i would rather read 13 as well i write these things unto you i I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the requests that we have asked of him. Now, I want to stop right there because here's the thing. Many of us are not praying God's will. Many of us are praying our own will, our own desires, our own uh, passions, and that's what we expect. And then when we don't get it, somehow we're so super offended that we charge God with not hearing us. We charge God with not showing up. We charge God with not being there. And we don't understand that God sometimes says no. And we sometimes understand that in God's yes, he works it out in a way that doesn't look like I want it to look. It doesn't sound like I want it to sound. It doesn't feel as comfortable as I want it to feel. And I want you to understand one thing. God sent Joseph a dream. God sent Joseph two dreams. In one dream, he, 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 uh, his brother and him had sheaves, and his sheaves stood upright, and his brother and his fathers and all their sheaves bowed to his sheave. And then he had another dream that, that there were stars in the heaven, and all, his, all those stars bowed unto his star. you got to understand that as God gave him these dreams, as God gave him this vision, Joseph probably had an end in mind that God was going to do something very great in his life. But you got to understand that right after Joseph tells everybody these dreams, his brothers begin to plot how to get rid of Joseph. And they, they, they take Joseph and they throw him in a well trying to kill him. Well, Joseph didn't die, okay? And when, when they... They, they were going to leave him there to die, let him starve to death, let him g- grow thirsty and, and, and die of thirst, whatever it was. 
and, and, and they thought better of it and said, well, why shouldn't we profit off of this? So they took Joseph out of there and they sold him into slavery and Joseph got taken to Egypt. Well, he goes to Egypt in slavery and he does really good. He's there and he thought, man, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. God's doing something great. I'm in, I'm in Potiphar's house and everything's going great. I'm a slave, but I'm doing good here in Potiphar's house and I'm making it. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. Joseph didn't want her, didn't want to disrespect his master. She brought false accusations against Joseph and Joseph got thrown in prison. Now, many of you, before you even got to Egypt, would have given up and said, well, God, God forgot all about me. God's will couldn't, this couldn't possibly be God's will for my life. This couldn't possibly be what God wants from me. He told me I was going to do great things for him. He told me this and he told me that. The reality is that just because you have certain expectations, just because you have your own agenda, your own will, your own priority, doesn't mean that that's God's will or God's mentality or God's priority for you. Your job is to follow Christ. Your job is to follow what's written, and then God will lead you, guide you, and direct you into all the other things that he wants you to be in, and he will direct your paths. If if you truly believe that a righteous man's steps are ordered of the Lord, then you can't just believe that the step that led you up the mountain is the step that's ordered from the Lord, but you got to understand that the step that led you down to the valley of the shadow of death, that step was from God too. And you got to understand God has a purpose in suffering. God has a purpose in trials, in tribulations to mold you, to shape you, to build up perseverance, to build up uh, patience to build up hope and endurance so that you can become perfect and lack nothing, the Bible says. But when we get the idea that God is out here to serve us instead of the other way around, then we become disenfranchised when it doesn't work out our way because irregardless of how you think and how you pray and how you you command this and that, God has a plan and a purpose and a will that he's going to work out in your life no matter what. And if you're not on board with that, you're, you're missing it. You're missing the benefits of understanding how to love God, trust God, serve God, follow God, no matter what. Sorry, the live video cut out. Sorry, the live video cut out. I went ahead and started it again. We may have two on there now. I'm sorry. Uh, but the, 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 the reality is, is that God wants more for you, has more for you, but it's not always in the good times. It's not always in the easy times. So often we've learned more in, in struggle, more in trial, more in hardship than we do when we're on top of the mountain anyway. So with that being said, we got to understand that when we pray, we must pray his will and not my will. Jesus asked the Father, is it possible to take this cup from me? But if it ain't, don't worry about it. I want your will. And that's what you need to do, Christian. You need to learn to say, God, it's not my will. I don't want my will. I don't want my way. Look, I did life so often, so more, so many, so more, so much more often than not. I tried to do it my way and, and I wrecked it. Okay. Why, when are we going to get the idea that if I let God be in charge, 
even in the bad times. And I learned to trust him, learn to follow him, learn to understand that all these things work together for my good, that I can trust God no matter what because God's in control. Once you settle that in your heart, your life, your faith is going to grow because faith is not running to the altar in fear that God did not hear me. Faith is understanding that God is in charge and that even if I pray for something and I don't get it, does it must mean uh, uh, several things. It could mean God doesn't want it, God does not want that for me and he said no. It could mean that God th- thinks that there's something better for me, there's something other than that that he has planned for me or that maybe I'll get it later on. And that's what ended up happening to Joseph. And Joseph looked at his brothers at the end of his trial when, when he finally showed his brothers who he was. And he, he looked them in the face and he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for my good. So beyond human purpose, God is still at work and working out his will in all situations. And we have to trust him. We've got to learn to trust God. But we, 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 we live in this microwave society that wants God, and we want God, but we want him on our terms. And that was the whole point of my post today on Facebook was to say, you can't have it your way. It's not Burger King. The gospel's not Burger King. You don't get it your way. Uh, This is the, this is the covenant that God made and we have to accept it as God made it and not the way we want it to be. So in closing, I want to talk just real quickly about his will. Here in 1 John chapter 5, he says, if we pray anything according to his will, we know that he hears us That's where we need to be at. We need to be praying for God's will. Why? Ephesians answers this question because, look, I know we pray. And God wants us to communicate the thoughts of our heart and cry out to him. He wants us to have fellowship and communion with him in prayer. But you also got to understand that God works all things according to the counsel of his own will. That, That he's not here answer God's not answerable to you he doesn't owe you explanations he doesn't owe you an answer you owe him everything he doesn't owe you anything he's not uh, obligated to explain himself to you and I don't understand where Christians get this idea like God better let me know what's going on well what if he doesn't want to and more often than not, he doesn't let you in on the secret. He doesn't let you in on the the happening. Because if he did, you'd mess it all up if he let you be in charge of anything. That's what normally happens. We mess stuff up. But if we let God do it, he'll work all things out. Amen. Now watch this. I want you to I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter one, verse eleven. In him who? Christ. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it 
to the praise of his glory. First of all, God works all things out according to the counsel of his own will. What does that mean? God doesn't take counsel with you, human dirt suit person. You are clay on a potter's wheel. He doesn't look at you and go, what do you want to be? God already has a plan and a purpose to mold you and to shape you into whatever he wants you to be. And if you submit to the understanding that you're not in charge, you're going to be much better off understanding that it's not about you. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's about this family that you have been adopted into. It's about the will of God being at work in your life and not your own will. You, do, you must pray like Jesus taught us. He said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. He didn't say my kingdom come or my will be done. He said thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And that's how we ought to pray because ultimately God is in charge. Period. End of story. Amen. Now, finally, I want to go <laughs> to the book of Job. Now, I could have brought Job up in this at the very beginning and talked to you about how Job was put in this situation at God's own request to Satan. Satan didn't come and ask for Job. God said, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And then the discourse began. And God allowed Job to go through some very atrocious things that most of us would go, this cannot be God's will. But we know, we know that God absolutely was working his will, his plan, his purpose out in Job's life. And at the end, Job realizes these things. And Job says something very, 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 very important for us to remember. This is Job 42, starting at verse 1, when he's answering God after God spoke to him. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes and so often this just like the book of James when he says hey you're asking for things because you want to squander them on your own lust you're asking wrongly you got the wrong motives you got the wrong idea about how to approach God in prayer you think you can just come to God with your prayer list and command God to do this and and make God move his hand to do that first of all there's no human being on this planet that causes God's hand to move. God is not a puppet of our 
own device. God is not a puppet that we control. We do not get to order and dictate what God does or when God does it. God is absolutely sovereign and absolutely in control. And if we truly understand this, we understand this with the idea that we're the puppet. We're the ones that needs to be doing God's will. When God says move, I move. When God says do, I do. But that is how it works. When I pray, I'm not going there to move God's hand. I'm going there for for communion with the Lord, and I'm hopefully going there so that I may walk away with an understanding of what God has asks, desires, or wants from me. This should be the heart and the focus of our prayer that God's will would be worked out in my life and not my will being superimposed onto God to try to get God to do something that I'm asking him to do, to try to get God to do my will. I'm going to prayer to make sure that Kevin O'Connor is doing God's will and doing what God wants Kevin O'Connor to do. We need, see, we've, we've got a, a misunderstanding of who God is. We've got a misunderstanding of, of, of our place and God's place. We, we've got it transposed. It's God who's, who is in charge, and we're here to do God's will. We're not in charge, and God is not here to do our will. We are here to serve the living God. And when we understand that, we can pray And we can understand that when we pray, Father God, I'm praying that this is your will. Please let your will be done in my life because I know your will is going to be better than my will. Your plan is going to be better than my plan. Your heart, your desire is going to be better than the heart and the desire of this sinful, wretched person that I am. Because I am nothing without you and I'm nothing walking in my own will. And I want your will to be done in my life. This should be every Christian's prayer. This should be every Christian's understanding of our sovereign, loving, and altogether almighty, holy God that we serve. We're not to come to him. He tells us to come boldly, but we're also supposed to humble ourselves in the mighty hand of God and come to him with the understanding that we're wretched and lonely and naked without him and we need him and that's why I'm coming to prayer because I have a desperate need for God. That's the way it should be, my friends. And I want you to know that's the way it ought to be biblically. I want you to have a clear understanding when you pray, not my will, but thy will be done because God is sovereign. God bless you, friends. Pray you share this podcast. Make sure you get into other people's hands. I think the video messed up, so if it did, I may just delete it and give you the audio. But the audio will be sufficient, I think. God bless you, friends. Look forward to talking to you again here on The Immutable Truth.